Hey, this is Ken Navarro. You're tuned to my podcast. It's been a couple weeks since I did one. A lot of stuff has happened in my life since then. Of course, I keep working away on the new album, which is going great. It's so tempting to share some of it with you, and who knows, maybe I will before it comes out in September. But the big event was I became a grandfather. Uh, About a week and a half ago, my son Eric and his beautiful wife Nikki had their first child, Julie, a perfect baby girl. (laughs) And uh, so that has been obviously a really major event. So I took a little break from podcasting. Uh, My wife and I uh, took a trip down south, uh, visited, among other places, Charleston, South Carolina, and also a place called Bishopville, where we visited the most amazing topiary garden I've ever seen. This is a man named Pearl Fryer. You go to his home, and you see this place that he has created out of basically what started is rejected plants and and trees, and he taught himself how to do this. And all I can say is, go see Pearl Fryer's home in Bishopville, South Carolina, if you're anywhere near there. There's also a documentary available about him, too. I think it's still on Netflix. Check it out. Well, this week, I had as my guest one of the folks that I've wanted to have from the very beginning. Her name is Sandy Shore. She's the president and the co-founder of the leading online contemporary jazz and smooth jazz radio station and website, smoothjazz.com. She's had an amazing journey Not only has she been quite successful, but she's used her passion for both radio and music, contemporary jazz and smooth jazz music, to make it happen. Hi, Sandy. Uh, How are you today? How is the weather in Monterey? Hey, Ken. Great to be here. Yeah, the weather's good today. I mean, we we had about two minutes worth of rain. We need more out here in California, but um, we just keep having the most beautiful weather on the West Coast right now. Well, I know in the past when I when I've exchanged emails with you, it's it's one part of me loves hearing how nice it is there, and then with the kind of winter we've had, another part of me is just why am I living here? <laughs> why am I going through this year after year? We're finally up into the mid seventies today. Uh, oh, that's but, nice. You know, it's been such. It is. It's very nice. It's been such a brutal winter, though, that nobody around here trusts it exactly. <laughs> We're just yeah. sort of waiting, you know, for one more snowfall, which would be unprecedented. But the whole winter has been kind of unprecedented. So I know so you, anyway, you've well, had you've had some really heavy uh, weather this year for sure. This winter, uh, for some reason, yeah, yeah, for some reason out here. I mean, we do. You know, I'm in the northern part of California, so we do get weather. We get. You know, we can it can get chilly, it can get foggy, and we can mm-hmm. get rain. But for some reason, the last uh, six months or so, it's been maybe even the last year. It has been one of the most, you know, un, I mean, I don't even want to leave to travel, and you know how much I like to travel. Right, right. <laughs> You're getting exactly what you need right there. Yeah. I know. Well, I've been wanting to have you do this podcast. You were one of the first people that I thought of. Um, I've been doing the podcast for about 10 years, but it's been primarily a vehicle for introducing a new album when I put one out or talking about how I go about composing or any number of things. So after doing it for 10 years and getting thousands of subscribers to it, I realized that I really, uh, there were so many people that I wanted to talk to, many of them musicians. Uh, and just to have a conversation with them, uh, it's the kind of thing that doesn't oftentimes musicians are interviewed, but, you know, it's kind of the usual stuff rather than another musician talking to them. But there was also one person at the top of my list, and that was you, because I feel like uh, as much as any musician, you have so much to do with the history and the development of smooth jazz and contemporary jazz. And your story, I think, is it's an amazing success, but it's also a fascinating story, and and a lot of which I don't know all the answers to. <laughs> so so that so part of my reason to speaking with you is is uh, selfish because I just there's a lot of questions I have, and and I realize this is a bit of a role reversal because you probably interviewed hundreds of people, and. Um, and I've been interviewed hundreds of times, but here we are on the other end of that chair and couch or whatever the 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 uh, the comparison is so uh again i'm just i'm glad you're here today 
Well, thank you. You know, it's an honor. Honestly, it's an honor for me to be uh, part of your podcast. I know how popular it is, and I'm really grateful that you um, you want to talk to me and also to be on the same uh, level, you know, as a as a musician. Who, oh, absolutely. That means a lot. Absolutely. That means a lot oh, it, that you well, said that. Well, I mean thank it. You. I mean it. <laughs> thank you. Uh, now, I, I want to talk a lot about your how you got to Smooth Jazz Come, how you got to this place. But I had a couple just initial questions about that uh, before we delve back a little bit. What year did smoothjazz.com formally begin? You know, I I got the domain name um, smoothjazz.com back in ni- mm-hmm. 1995. Wow. Yeah. And that was actually... That's incredible amount of foresight. Well, thank you. And, but that was actually around the time that people were just sort of um, tossing the name out. It wasn't really even sticking anywhere yet. Right. That's that's right. Yeah. 1995 was when it first came into, you know, common vocabulary, at least with musicians and record companies and, yeah. and so on. And people weren't sure what they if they wanted to use it. Um, radio people kind of liked it because it, it's a great marketing term and that it's it's bringing mm-hmm. jazz in, and smooth is a great word no matter what. It's just a great word. Um, but artists were a little bit, you know, meh about it just because they don't think of themselves as just smooth. And so it was kind of going back and forth. And I remember when a friend of mine who, you know, because of where I am based in the world near Silicon Valley, we have a lot of uh, folks who, um, you know, who who I work with in music and radio who are also part of the whole world in Silicon Valley. And a friend of mine said, I can get you this domain and you've been talking about the name and would you like me to, you know, to reserve it for you? And I was, Mm -hmm. I was just a DJ back then. And, and I, I was trying to get a concert production company off the ground here in Monterey. And I was not really working in LA or San Francisco. So I wasn't like I was making a lot of money. And I, and I thought, man, can I afford that hundred dollars for that domain? And, and what if it <laughs> wow. doesn't, what if it doesn't ever pan out to anything that, you know, it was hard for me to make the decision, but I, I understand. I, I understand. I'm laughing only because <laughs> it was the best hundred dollars you ever invested, but that's true. I understand. I'm the same way. I think most successful business owners watch money. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you were, you were, it was a lot of money at that time. It really was, I, especially I, I, as a, as a radio personality or DJ. I mean, you know, there's just not a lot of money in that in the smaller markets. So anyway, right, that's, right, the, that's when right. it all started. And then we launched the, mm-hmm. um, and then we, you know, the funny part is, and not everyone knows this, but it, it is kind of funny. It's cute. Actually. I used the domain name um, to sell concert tickets for our, Monterey Bay events, which was, um, the company was my company, Sandy Shore Productions, but there was no, there was no, um, encryption back then. There was no protection for encoding. (laughs) So, so Ken, just kind of, you'll, you typed in your credit card number. Well, no, we, we couldn't even take that. So you'll love this. So we put a form up on the internet the best we could and people would print it out and they'd fill it out with a pen and they'd send it into us with their check. So that, wow. I love (laughs) it. it. Well, I know we used when we started Positive Music, we had a listening line in 1992, and a listening line was you called an answering machine, which played a cassette tape of samples of some of the music, you know, and then yeah. you left your name and number, and we'd call you back to try to take an order. I mean, it's it's seems it's impossible for people 20 years younger to totally understand, but that's yeah. how it was. No, I know. And it's just so funny. And for me, it seems like it was just yesterday, you know, when we were doing mm-hmm. all of this. In, in 1997, I remember I was working with a friend of mine who's really helped pioneer internet radio. And um, mm-hmm. and I told him I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do the same thing with jazz. He's done something with uh, with rock and, and pop and, and, and he started his mm-hmm. own thing and he said, well, just sort of hang out and I'll, you know, we'll work together on developing. And he said, you just have to build it as, you know, like, like the old saying, build it and they will come. Right. And in 97, we were dabbling. Remember the dabbling with, um, downloads people could, uh, bring in, you know, you, you were starting to be able to bring audio in, but do you remember it would take about seven minutes to download 30 seconds? <laughs> right. You remember that. It was awful back then. I sure do. Yeah. So we were thinking, when is this going to change? And finally, in the year 2000, streaming had been developed and audio broadcasting was being pioneered. And and we were grandfathered in back in that time uh, because of our friend who was working with us um, with, with AOL Shoutcast. Uh, Right. And we began, you know, as being a big part of the big experiment of internet radio. 
and this was this was right around 1997 1998 well we were we were building it in 97 98 99 and we couldn't broadcast until mm-hmm. 2000 the spring of I 2000 see. so yeah 15 years ago we were on the air right, right around this time and we were one of about three radio stations to actually broadcast exclusively on the internet meaning we didn't have an wow. fm uh, signal that we were broadcasting from it was just internet and it was us and our yeah. our good friend bill goldsmith at radio paradise mm-hmm. um and it was um digitally imported that was the name of the of the people at the time so yeah so the three of us just sort of were like these uh pioneers just setting out and we had no idea how uh, re- uh well received smooth jazz would be in, in the free world you know <laughs> because that, well and and at that time the terrestrial stations still were going strong well they were closing so, they were know. starting to they were starting to kind of close down and so and mm-hmm. lose and losing interest and then reprogramming themselves as you know the consultant right. um at the time was saying we need to be playing more um older uh songs like from the temptations and adding right. in these other artists and and the audience was becoming disenfranchised so the timing was good because and then the and then the of course the countries and the states in the United States that never had even heard of smooth jazz because there were no right. fm stations they loved the sound what's not to like about it you know what's not to like about this format so we were very impressed and pleased with the fact that we were constantly ra- being ranked in the top 10 of the most listened to uh, radio stations in the world online on Shoutcast for and, years. And that's that's the other element that I think you've had phenomenal success and and for the music, uh, really helped the music internationally. Uh, you know, when we were in the first ten years with Positive Music, when CDs were still primarily what you sold, uh, there was a a always an issue of trying to get exposure somehow in these markets all over the world. And then even if you manage to get on some kind of radio station in, say, France, then was were there CDs to buy? You know, what was the point of getting the airplay if there were there was nothing to, nowhere for the, those people to purchase it? And with smoothjazz.com, you, 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 your international audience is, is phenomenal. Uh, I'm, I'm always struck by that. Um, you know, when I when I'm on the site, when I'm following what's happening with one of my uh, own records that is on the site, you know, I, I see people names I never saw before, and obviously their names I, I recognize as not being from the states. Yeah, uh, th- yeah. D- Did that happen right away? Right, like right from the beginning? Did you start to see that international? quality uh, uh, add up? Right away, we did. And it, you, you bring up a really good point about music being available, too. Um, but right away, we saw an audience immediately. I, the first mm-hmm. uh, feedback I got was from a country I had never even heard of at the time. It was Slovenia. And I just, I had never heard of Slovenia. I, did, I didn't. <laughs> wow. You know? And I mean, th- you have to keep in mind, 15 years ago. And um, so I got a really nice note from a college student who was about 19. And he said he was listening to us every day um, and it was helping him study. And I thought, first of all, wow, right. wow, it's it's Europe. Second of all, 19, because everybody in, right. in our um, industry here in the States, we all thought the format was going to die off when everybody, you know, the demo was getting older. And, and Right, I, that's exactly what happened. We, yeah. all, we all aged together, which was great in a way, but, you know, it just seemed like that age group was being completely left out. Right. And I always have been a contender that this format can be very youthful, like pop. I mean, we grew up mm-hmm. with pop and pop is still very much a part of the world today with that demo. And, and nowadays, depending on your, I, you know, I like to think of things in psychographics as opposed to demographics. We, you know, we reach people of, it doesn't matter what your physical age is a lot of the time. What, what is your mental age? Where, where are you fitting into life nowadays, you know? Right, and because right. we're staying alive longer and more fit longer and more youthful, and you really do see a, um, a melting pot of ages enjoy different parts of life that used to be just for the young. And now I think music is becoming that. We, I'm sure we'll get into the, the future of the format. But I also wanted to just say that the most fascinating thing back then to me was that 
record, uh, the record industry, the music industry in general, wasn't set up for a global marketplace. So when, you know, when we would play music, especially labeled music back then, they would say, oh, you know, that's being distributed or handled by, you know, such and such UK (laughs) or such and such Germany. And I'm like, and and I, I, you know, I just don't think in, I didn't think in terms of of country boundaries. So we had to wait. We actually had to sit there and wait for the industry to catch up with our notions. And then of course iTunes came along and um, next thing you know, all of these needs for uh, distributors in other countries just sort of vanished. Right. That's exactly what happened. I mean, you know, I'm seeing it from the other side, even as an independent label, that's how it worked for us too. You know, we might have one distributor who handled all of the United States or most of it. uh, But then overseas, we had to have somebody different in every single country. Um, And, uh, you know, I I can only imagine how, because you were so far ahead of the curve, and so much of the music business and even the radio business were really clinging to to only what they knew. Uh, and, you know, even though you were offering something that was so much bigger and so much better, they didn't get it. You know, yeah. unfortunately, that was really true in the music business, maybe even more so than the radio business. But um, but yeah, you had to kind of wait for people to catch up with you and, and catch up with your vision. And I can imagine, you know, iTunes and all the, uh, so many other things that followed made it much easier for people to realize, you know, how smoothjazz.com not only fit in, but was really a one-stop place for, for so many of these record labels and, and jazz music to go to. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was an interesting situation. In fact, sometimes I would just tell myself this, I mean, this can't be real. We can't be this far ahead, you know, but it's, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it was just a notion, Ken. It was just like back in the day, not even around this time. Remember when a lot of us were starting to realize we didn't, once we got a mobile phone, why did we need a landline? You know, and, right, right, and, right, right. and these are the notions and this is the fascinating thing. I mean, kids that are being born today and, you know, children of, the, of another generation, they'll never uh, have to make that decision. I mean, we just all have mobile. It's like our social security numbers. We all have mobile phone right. numbers. We don't need landlines usually. So, but that we all live through that time and it's pretty interesting. So when, yeah. when well, you know, when we van- developed something, it. I think some things vanish out of disuse, you know, they just they just finally disappear because people just don't have a use for them. Yes, and, exactly. But some sometimes, you know, it's I can uh, when you said that about feeling like, am, am I right? Maybe I'm not right. Maybe I'm the one who's, you know, could I possibly be this far ahead of 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 the curve? But you know that that kind of innate judgment that you had, and uh, you know, I don't know. You can't teach that. That's that's just. Um, and, and, you know, the confidence to follow your instincts, which were obviously so right. I'm wondering, what what was the tipping point for you to make the leap into internet radio and, and, and then smoothjazz.com? Was it, was it your experience in the competitive and also un, unpredictable world of terrestrial radio? Or what, 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 where did, how did, do you remember what happened that caused there to be that, that place where you just said, that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm leaping? Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of factors. I mean, I, I really was, you know, kind of, um, um, just mono-focused on getting smoothjazz.com off the ground. And it, and it was it was for the music and it was for radio in general. I've always had a passion and a love affair with the medium of radio since, you know, honestly, mm-hmm. since I was eight years old. I just have been completely, well, yeah. you know, infatuated with, with the medium. So um, once I realized, you know, once I got my head around the fact that this global thing um, – you know, could really be so much bigger than one FM market and, mm-hmm. and to have a global community of listeners and of people who could, could contribute and, and, and be part of this world, whatever the format was, it, it wasn't that, you know, I, I really wanted it to be this genre because I believe it is mass appeal and it is very accessible. Um, but I, I was committed to that vision. And then the, the mm-hmm. impetus came when um, we were doing the concert events here in Monterey and they had been very successful for the better part of, of uh, almost 10 years. And that mm-hmm. was around 9-11, you know, the um, incident 
in New York, right. of course. And once that happened, everything in everybody's world, especially in America, changed. And people stopped traveling, and they stopped going out, and they stopped doing the normal thing. So our my concert production company basically um, went from starting to attract numbers of upwards of two, 3,000 people for our festival in the fall to 300, 400 people to come see George Benson. And, right, and it wow. was, it was brutal. It was, it was an absolute nightmare yeah. on a fiscal level. It was horrible. And so I thought to myself, well, you know what, we're going to, we're going to get through this, you know, and, um, and we did, and we're going to focus on something that is not, um, you know, based in one part of the world, we're going to do something that, you know, the whole vision of smoothjazz.com was kind of a, it was a now or never decision. And it really felt like that. And I figured if it's going to be, if this kind of thing is going to happen, let's make that leap now. And it felt like we were, mm -hmm. we felt like I had one foot on the dock and the other foot on the boat. And <laughs> I just chose to let go of the dock and we took off and, and we didn't have much of a choice, really. We just didn't have much of a choice as far as like it making it or not making it. We had to make right. it. We had to. Right. Right. Yeah. And but it must have been hard in some ways to finally let go of the dock because growing up with that passion for radio, you hold on to when you know, you hold on to those passions and you don't want that the the radio as you knew it, yeah. I would think. You don't want it to you you don't want to say goodbye to that dream even though you that dream isn't existing anymore, not just for you, for everybody. And uh uh, but it must have been hard. I, I know I've gone through things like that that have to do with music. Uh, you just have to sometimes be able to say, um, you know, uh, I, I have I can have other passions. I can direct this towards it's still radio. I'm going to redefine what radio is. Yes, and, that was it. Know. That was it. Because what do I you know, what do I love about, you know, radio and everything I love about radio? Um, you know, for the most part, we we have I mean, there's the. You know, there's the intimacy of the radio personality that I think we can bring back to what we're doing here and have more, mm -hmm. a little bit more of that in a way that, cause, because, you know, as, as we always say, you know, disc jockeys sold music. It was, right. the, it was That's right. their passion for what they loved, you know, is what, is what got people inspired to buy and to That's collect. That's exactly right. So. Yeah. And that kind of, that kind of got, got muted the the farther that the smooth jazz uh, consulted format got, it seemed like those people that were you know we both grew up with and 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 their excitement made us want to find out when that rec when I when can I get that album yeah you know that was getting muted because they were ha not only obviously not having any say in the music but just not really connected to it uh, sometimes I'd travel to markets where they would mispronounce people's names so poorly. You know, I, I it was like, they don't have any idea what they're playing, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that was just me who noticed that. No, it's true. No, it's true. <laughs> but but see, it's not just it's not just jazz or smooth jazz or it's 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 radio. Yeah. And we have to look at it as it's radio, yeah. you know, holistically, it's radio that and it, and and it, what happened there is you can't fault really anybody. It's just business in, in mm -hmm. its in its nature at times where mm -hmm. um, you know it became a very profitable industry especially in the major cities so the day you know right. radio had such a lovely innocent um, you know childhood in a way in the in the 50s and and even earlier mm -hmm. even earlier you know in the golden days but but when DJs were starting to play rock and roll and they they found a record or somebody came knocking on the door with you know an, a, a song that they cut on wax and they handed it to the DJ Thanks, and right. you know and he put it on and fell in love with it and you fell in love with it and that's those days um you know became over consulted and and they tried to keep the momentum of excitement but you know once those big box owners got in involved and started changing the nature of the business. I can remember a quote from one of the larger radio um, monopoly companies that, well, we'll go mm -hmm. nameless, but he said, he said, I'm not in the, the music business. I'm in the advertising business. 
Right. And right. and once we yeah. got that line, then we realized that's what this is about. And and that's okay. I mean, I have no fault of that. But how can we do right. it where we can keep the music alive? And 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 because I am um, I am one of the, still one of the most excited people in the fans in the world when it comes to new music, any kind of music. If I hear it in a movie, if I hear it while I'm having a salad at Chipotle, I will download that thing and it will be on my you know iTunes library because I am a fan of music and I get excited about it. So how can we keep that alive? I don't believe people lose their their interest in music just because they're aging. You know, that no, we don't want right. to sit and hear the same music we heard when we were in high school. I mean, I know some do, but that not the majority of the people who want to continue to embrace. No, life. They're, they're waiting for somebody to, to help lead the way to 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 new things. And and that, that kind of excitement permeates smoothjazz.com. I think I, I I feel that when I listen and, you know, that's it's definitely been incorporated back in those values that were why we held up transistor radios to our ears that's it you know and and listened at at any sound quality possible just because we because of the buzz you know that that you got from the way the music was presented so so you you know i i first knew of you i think from from the smooth jazz station that was in monterey kxdc um but you were you were also at the wave in la and kksf in san francisco right yes exactly yeah. Um, I was, um, I, I was at the wave. I was actually the, it was my first experience with this format. Um, it was, that would have been I see. Yeah, 1988. I was, I had met John Sebastian at a radio conference in 87, I think, or 86. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and I clicked and he was, you know, one of the, uh, you know, most um, amazing programmers of, in our country, you know, of all kinds of music. And, and so we, we had clicked and, um, he was hired to program, the wave in LA first before when it was still, um, you know, they had done some kind of interlude with the music in between KMET and what then became the wave. And it was sort of a, a, Mm -hmm. what they called a jockless format, no radio personalities. And they were doing vignettes on the air with actors and they were playing uh, kind of light music. It it wasn't necessarily jazz or contemporary jazz. Right. It was just, it was just a little bit of everything, you know, just kind of a light lifestyle uh, sound. And then they, right. they, it wasn't working. So they called John in and they said, listen, we need, you know, a vibrant sound, but we want to keep it this new sound, this new, they called it new adult contemporary back then. Remember? Right. Sure. Yeah. Of course. NAC. So they brought, and I live, I li- yeah, I lived in LA in 1988 and through 19, most of 1990 and the wave, everybody was listening to it. Uh, it was it, it it at least the people I knew it, it took it took over by storm there. Uh, so you were you were involved in the station, yeah. Right, so that at, right so at that transition. So you must have heard me then because John. And I'm I, sure I did. Yeah, John, because John and I, we, I called him up. I said, listen, you know, I don't know, and I was, you know, I was very young. Um, everybody I was working with was a little bit, a little bit older than me, and it was my first, you know, mm-hmm. I I was working in Orange County radio and um, had been down in Southern California, but never in, in LA. So I just said, I don't know if you remember meeting me, but I, I understand the project you're doing. I'd love to try to, you know, be part of it. So he brought me in right. and, and he said, you know, you're very uh, young and you don't have a ton of experience, but I'll put you on weekend overnights and then we'll see how that goes. So th- I got, right. I was the first right. person hired for the wave um, for the worst possible shift. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I but got it, off of it that, was that foot in the door I got off of that quickly though he put me he moved me to mm-hmm. weekend afternoons and fill-ins uh probably with inside of a couple of months so yeah I mm-hmm. loved it I just loved it I had the greatest experience there I was on the air there for the better part of two years um John ended up leaving and then I was offered an opportunity to come program this format in Monterey which is where I grew up so I wanted to I wow. wanted to do that mm-hmm yeah, yeah, exactly. What? Wow! And in, in just a two-year period, that happened. A couple of years, and then I ended up when I moved back to Monterey. I was, you know, we're so close to San Francisco, and Steve Feinstein mm-hmm. and I had become good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve uh, asked me if I would please help him out with fill-ins because he just didn't have a lot. Even though I was, you know, programming the station here, um, you know, I said definitely. So he and I, we had a nice long run. Uh, at KKSF, where I, I probably was affiliated with that station for the for about five years, I would say. Wow, I I never realized that, and and to have gotten into the wave right at that 
critical time. Uh, I, I didn't realize just how how early you were really pre-format, you know, uh, especially with having lived through that experience with what the wave did in L.A. And like I was saying, not only did everybody I know listen, but all kinds of musicians listened to the station. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I remember when my first record came out, we were literally um, in an in a airport motel because we were moving back east. And I heard one of the songs on the wave, and it was just like <laughs> the, the the perfect first radio experience. I remember you know? playing you uh, on the wave for sure. I mean, that was when I yeah. that's when I discovered you and your music was was then. It couldn't have meant more, you know, to 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 hear it on that station because I'd just been listening so faithfully for about two years, and you know, and this music for me as a musician was was exactly what. I'd been doing and a lot of people I knew had been doing and it you know it 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 was just a minor miracle maybe more than a minor miracle to hear it on on such an important radio station in such an important market um you know and and so then you you moved to KXDC you in program director KXDC and and so you were there did did your run last right up to that time in 1995 when when you first purchased the, the 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 website, the domain name. No, you know, um, smaller markets. I mean, radio in general can be very. Um, it, it can just be very fickle, you know. But mm-hmm. smaller oh, yeah. smaller markets, in particular, smaller cities in particular, can be very. You know, can be very uh, hard to maintain a radio mm-hmm. station. And you know that that was all becoming around the time where uh, people were buying and selling to make to make money, not so much about investing, right, you know, in the music. Right. So mm-hmm. when I, when I got back here, we started up a station. It was very cool. We called it Radio Pacific and, um, and it was K the call letters were KXDC, but we were blending a lot. Like our vision was mm-hmm. to do a little bit of an AOR, which was like an album oriented rock station. But, but I don't know if you've ever heard of a station in LA, um, called KNX FM. Um, they, yeah, they, sure. it was just a beautiful, like adult album oriented station. We were blending, you know, the great songwriters like, uh, James Taylor and, you know, and, tr- mm-hmm. and Tracy Chapman had come out by then and just the more artistic leaning, um, songwriters with, um, some just, you know, incredible fusion and, and, and contemporary jazz. So you could hear Pat Metheny and James Taylor, you know, in the same set. And and maybe the right Billy Joel song too. Exactly. You know, just if it was the right song, it was there. I know so many great programmers came came out of that format. I think of like Steve Huntington, who was at LOQ for a long time in Florida, but m- many others, uh, you know, including yourself, obviously. And and you know, I love the fact that that smoothjazz.com still has that flavor in it. You know, that that you can hear something you might not expect. That's that's also a big part of what I. I missed about radio after a while. The surprises. Yeah, the surprises, right? I know. And so that's what we did here. And then, and then the, um, station owners, um, sold it and, um, and then it, and then I was out of work and then, and then we, and then I would do more for Steve at KKSF and then the station would come back around and these owners said, Oh, we really should bring the jazz back. It seems to be doing so well in this market. So I would be mm-hmm. hired and, and that happened four times between 1990 and the time I launched smoothjazz.com. Um, and wow. it, yeah, and wow. it, and one time, one time, the, the last time um, would be, uh, it was sort of like, you know, how Lucy holds the football for Charlie Brown? That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it was like yeah. coming yeah. back. But the last time it happened was oh. um, was when I, I was doing, uh, I was helping out this local station and they had a great signal and they had a great support system and we were putting all the smooth jazz back on the air to convert it over. And I, it seemed like everything was going well. And I walked in one evening and the station, uh, the, the booth, the studio had an entirely different logo on the front door. And I thought, I thought I had gone to the wrong building and they, right. they literally switched right. it overnight to classic rock. Wow. Yeah. F- folks don't understand <laughs> what, what that's like. I don't think I've, I've told stories like that, that have been recounted to me from people like yourself. And, and, you know, I've even heard stories. People are celebrating ch- toasting with champagne, the good, great ratings they just got 
only to find out the next day that someone's decided for two-tenths of a point they're going to turn it into a country station or whatever it is that they think they're going to get two-tenths more of a point. But yeah, folks, I don't think realize just what kind of passion is necessary and was necessary to be in radio. Uh, You you know, these these stories almost sound unbelievable unless you've heard them a a bunch of times. It's true. And, you you know, it's not an easy job to do. I mean, you know, it's just not. It's if you, you have to love what you do and you have, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a perseverance type you know, right, job. Right. And, and that, that, that hurt me, honestly, that personally hurt me that I walked, oh, I, I walked in after, you know, and a lot of the stuff I was putting on for them was like from my own personal library. So, so I was going above and beyond just my radio show and to, and they couldn't tell me, they said, because they didn't want anyone knowing. So I literally walked in the night they were switching over to classic rock. And I said, you know what, right. this is it. This is it. I'm done with, um, with terrestrial radio and, and corporate mm-hmm. radio like that, and let's just see what we can come up with, you know, on online. And the nice thing about internet radio, while you know, when we started, there were three, and now there's probably you know three thirty thousand, three hundred thousand. There's a lot of stations, um, and not not right. not all of them have a listenership. But the nice thing about it is, um, is that there is so many, you know, it, there's just so much option now. And what we try right. to do at smoothjazz.com. It's really simple. I know people don't like too much of an option. Like when I go in to buy toothpaste, I don't want a hundred brands to choose from, you know? So we don't want to overwhelm people, but we're trying to create an environment here, like you said, where there's the element of surprise. There's always new music. If you have a favorite, like, like yourself, if, if Ken Navarro has a new album out, Ken Navarro's new album will be on the air because why would we not? And that's what was happening with, um, with, with FM radio or the way it was being programmed was you, you might hear acoustic alchemy from, uh, you know, 1990 or 92, but you, you might not hear acoustic alchemy from 2012. (laughs) The brand new record. I've actually, I I actually went into stations to do an interview because I was doing a concert in that town and the person doing the interview didn't know that I had a new album. <laughs> and they weren't, you know, they weren't playing it because, for whatever reason. And I know, you know, it's it's uh, from an artist standpoint that's frustrating too. Cause, it is. You know, there's that interest, but we want to play those songs that we have played for ten years, and and that's great too. I love it all, but um, you know, well, that kind of brings me to the next. You know, I had some very specific questions about smoothjazz.com, um, and that kind of brings me to to one of them, which is, I'm I'm wondering how you go about selecting the music. Is there a specific sound that you hear in your head, a blend that you're after, or is there a certain amount of chance where you see how something works? How how do you go about making that those choices with so much? music out there especially current music yeah and that's a great question i mean we've evolved the sound over the years and the current you know you have to it's like style it's like Mm -hmm. fashion it's like fashion you know you're you're gonna have to check the waistline of the jeans you just have to and Mm -hmm. if you want to fit in it's like the denim might stay the same um, you know, you want that same worn out look, but it may not be coming up to, you know, your waist. It's got, you got to get it down to the two inch zipper now, you know, it's like, so it's like, what, <laughs> right, what's, exactly, what's yeah. in fashion. So really that's kind of where we go. And we do pay attention to that kind of thing. And my, my goal, as I was mentioning early on is I, I believe that this format, this genre has the potential and is mass appeal, you will find kids in their 20s that will love this format if it's presented in a way that isn't um, dated. And so, um, and so that's what right. we that's what we go for. We we encourage artists to stretch out, to stay, you know, use new production values, um, keep your. But I don't, we don't we don't ever ask artists to change their music sound or to water it down and. You know, we just don't. We, we we do encourage that new sound. And, and while we bring some classics in from time to time, we're kind of the opposite of what FM does, where they'll bring in mm-hmm. an occasional new song. We kind of will right. bring in an occasional classic because um, right. they do right. still sound nice. They're great. But our overall signature sound right now is it's a vibe of um, fe- it feels good. There's We want some depth to the music. We don't want it to be super um, shallow and, and not mm-hmm. have any meat on the bone because we know people like you that are tuning in, you've got to hear something. You've got to hear something that's going to make you want to stay. Um, 
And then, then there's this element of surprise if, and, and, you know, we don't always, we're not always successful, but we're willing to try things. So we might add a singer songwriter, you know, we might even add elements of hip hop in a song and then it might not fly. You know, we might get a hundred people saying, guy, that's not working for me. And then maybe we'll revisit it, you know? Um, right. Well, that's the only way to find out. I mean, and you, you know, I understand what you mean about style changing and, and looking to see what, what what's the current music fashion but at the same time you guys are at a point now where you are part of creating that fashion it seems to me if you if you play something that people respond to that you're not hearing anywhere else suddenly you've you're you're you know you're steering the boat now in terms of what what not only what people hear but what suddenly people realize they like you know yeah that's that's an interesting thing yeah well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's the the real value of taking those chances is you know you can you you, you lose sometimes, but I mean, I, I, there's no other way to win. <laughs> you have to be willing to lose. It's always like that. It is and, always it and, is always uh, like that. And and you're right. Earlier, you said it. It must you know kind of scary to let go of what you're used to, as long as you mm-hmm. keep the elements of what you know makes you feel good about you know what you're doing then it's it's a little easier to change because as long as it's integral right. then you can you can change you can change the how we serve radio up whether it's on an fm frequency or on um, a, a mobile phone or an ipad or an internet website i mean really radio is radio as long as it's you know in that in that format it's just how we right. get it these days and and what would you and i have done with an you know iphone back when we were kids Oh, I know. Well, I, I always think the iPhone is about as my wife points out all the time that her iPhone is like a rate transistor radio to her. Yeah. She'll, you know, if she doesn't have headphones or an ability to plug it in somewhere, she'll just have it on at work. And it may not. Well, actually, it's much better sound quality than the transistor radios I had. But the mobility of it reminds me more of, of that experience than anything else. I think that, too. I think about that a lot. And and I think about just the fact that it's, you know, the iPhone 6 anyway has got such a clarity in the speakers that i really yeah, yeah i don't I, i'm still on my five yeah <laughs> i can't get over it you know I, I i waited um i passed i went from four to six because i just I, I just the five right. just to seem like the same but the six is really amazing you can sit it next to you and without your headphones even mm-hmm. and that's really where where we are what what you and i and people of our you know generation what we had to do mm-hmm. to get our music back then um which is why we are where we are today it's you know the, right the what is it um I always I always mix up my metaphors, but the mother of invention, right? Necessity is the mother of invention, and yeah. and we mm-hmm. we wanted this. This is what we wanted. I mean, the people have spoken, and radio wasn't delivering uh, what people wanted, and and that's why I feel like I'm a steward in a way of of this uh, of music, and in, in in particularly in this genre. If um, you know, like for example, from your new releases to you know all of our friends who have been making this music for the last 25 30 years if they've got a new album out i'm going to do everything i can to get that on the air and that means even if they if it was a live project and maybe it doesn't have that sonic sound that radio Mm -hmm. you know delivers well or maybe the tracks are very very long i'm going to as i have with you i might talk about doing some sort of cool radio thing that might might be a little bit of an edit but we're going to get something on the air that's going to work and and even and i don't even need it to fit the under four minute rule like a lot of stations do i mean it mostly for flow you know just for the flow because i'm good with it being a little longer that's not a problem um but that's what that's what we'll do and then my the other part of the that other side of that very coin is discovering new bands around the world or in the u.s that like um the pete project from hungary they've been one of my my favorite discoveries over the last five years, the violin mm-hmm. and saxophone lead, the energy, the youthfulness in that, that borrows elements of like a Candy Dulfer and Prince and then has a sensibility of maybe um, a Brian Culbertson. And I love that. Um, there's a new young lady named Jasmine Gent who's uh, just barely 20, 21 years old. And she's got, oh, a, she's got an old soul and her saxophone is about the size of her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a, she's a tiny little thing and she can, her music writing skills are, 
Um, I mean, she's just an old soul, you know, and, and every time we post anything about this young woman, she gets the, um, she gets the response as if she was Joe Sample. I'm I'm not kidding. It's right. Right. It's amazing. You you know, know? and that, that's the other way that the, you know, uh, the international element plays in because I've discovered all kinds of, uh, contemporary jazz and smooth jazz artists on smoothjazz.com that are from other countries that I don't think I would have heard of any other way. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know, smoothjazz.com being an international stop for people. Um, I'm sure that they're, you're probably overflowing with, uh, possible people submitting stuff that, that, that they, you know, want you to listen to and see if it works for them. But to be able to be in that position where you can, you know, uh, have, have, and your passion for it really shows, you know, uh, uh, to help launch those people and a, a young artist, particularly a young woman, you know, that that's even better. And it, it, for so many other reasons is that obviously has been, uh, you know, uh, kind of the, the elephant in the room, you know, women in jazz, you know, yeah. you still don't see nearly enough of it. Uh, when I went to Japan a, a couple times, a few years ago, half of the band that played with me were, were women. And uh, it was not uncommon at all for women in, in at least in Osaka and Tokyo to be very involved in the jazz scene, you know, and that's yet another way that, that you've, you've opened the door for, for people who are out there whose voice should be heard. But, you know, they, I don't know, I don't really know what went on in radio before, but you, you just didn't hear those very many uh, female names uh, on the playlist. No, you, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, radio, um, you know, it, I actually have worked for a radio station that told me to not get my hopes up, um, about working, um, during the daytime. I, I even me as a, as a, oh, as a man. female announcer, they said, you know, ra- women in radio, you know, they're kind of held to weekends and some nights. So don't get, mm-hmm. and this would have been like, Oh, I don't know, 80, 85, 86 or something. And I thought, well, that's crazy. And then, you know, I just, ne- you never, I never believed that. And then, and then as we saw, you know, the nineties were filled with tons of female singer songwriters and everything kind of started mm-hmm. switching and, you know, and, and all of that. And then, and then, well, I'd like to see it come over to our genre. I would love to see, you know, more women. I mean, we do have the ones we do have are truly amazing, like Keiko Matsui. You <laughs> well, know, and... they, they, right. They, <laughs> they have to be, if you know what I mean. It's like, you yeah, know, which it's... isn't fair, but that's sort of what, how, you know, they, they, they have to be exceptional um, to get noticed. And they but do. I see more now than ever, you know, and Keiko think... for the longest time was one of the few. Yeah, you're right. And I do think you're right. I think it is changing. And I think it, it's got to come from it. You know, I really believe life has a way of balancing everything out, you know, and, and, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and we will continue to, to balance this out. And I never really see things in, you know, maybe when I was younger, I did, st- I did choose a very male profession. I, you know, I, and I knew mm-hmm. that I knew that at the time, but loving music is not a, a, gender biased thing no, you know no. and, and this format i mean it's you, you know, know it, it's it's clearly a, a a completely split down the middle in yeah. terms of of you know male female listeners it, or there may be more female i don't know but there never ever was was the kind of thing you had at a jazz club no. a straight ahead jazz club where at best you know wives and girlfriends were getting dragged in you know by their boyfriend well that's you know, it's the if anything it's the other way around you know yeah uh, and- uh, so women are sharing the music with with their special person and their friends as opposed to the other way around. And I do think that things will come back around in time. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like sports. I mean, you know, I, I do get it that, you know, when you watch, um, that, you know, that physicality, the physicality of men, you know, it's definitely going to make for a a better game often. I'm not saying there's not exceptions to the rule, but that that's a sports thing. And then with, with musicianship, I know a lot of people have felt that, 
Uh, men just have a better control of things and whatever, but it is changing and it, the world is yeah. changing. And, you know, yeah. and, and because I was raised to believe I could do and, and be anything I wanted, I think a lot of young girls are being raised the same way by both their moms and their dads, that if they want to right. do it, if they're passionate about it, then nothing and not even their size or, I mean, look at Jasmine Gent. I'm telling you, keep this name in mind. This little girl <laughs> can't be more than five feet yeah. tall. And, you know, she's gonna, she's making a difference and you'll see more and more of that. And if we can support, oh, yeah. we support music, you know, from everybody. And it does, of course, make me feel good to see girls showing an interest in it. That's cool. Oh, yeah. And it only, it only makes for more of it. It's just that's the way things work. You know, somebody uh, comes in and, and, and paves the way. People go, I, I think I could do that. Uh, but they, so they have to see it. Otherwise, there's this unspoken message, I think, you know. I think you're right, um, Ken. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, a little bit of that. Now, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the website itself because obviously the station is the centerpiece and, and the app, by the way, is, is just fantastic. Um, that's another area you've been, I think, ahead of the curve, understanding how important a great app is. And, and you've got a, not only a great sounding one and, 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 and great to, to use, but it just looks good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is very important to me. Uh, but the website offers so much more than just the station. And for people, especially the kind of listeners I think you bring in, which are what, you know, I, I, I forget what we used to call them. I, I call them type A's now. The, one, the ones who know the, the music and they buy records and they buy concert tickets. Uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of information on the website for, for those people. And I'm wondering, you know, I think I'm not positive because... I've known it, I'm so familiar with it and for so long, I don't really remember when something was introduced, but um, it seems like every year there's some new great idea that you've incorporated into, into the, the website and the music. Uh, are, how did those things come about? I mean, were these ideas you had all along or did as the ability to use the internet progressed, you just you saw more and more possibilities? Well, yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, first of all, um, I think the fact that we had a physical element to radio was just absolutely mm -hmm. exhilarating. That we, because I mean, radio is exciting in that it's a bit mysterious, you know, because there is just audio and, and that's what we all kind of fell in love with. But when there was the, right. the visual element thrown in, and I don't mean like MTV or video, cause that kind of went from one extreme to the other, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and if you didn't yeah. like the video content, then you didn't like the song or the artist, you know, but with, to have an opportunity to have almost like a, a, a real time magazine, um, format that was glossy and colorful, um, while mm -hmm. you had the radio station, my God, that couldn't have been more exciting to me. And then I have to point out, I would you know, be really remiss to point out that I have an amazing team of people that I work with. And, and it started, this company started with just myself and my uh, business partner, Donna Phillips, who is the entire mm -hmm. visual side. She's the whole visual <laughs> side and, of smoothjazz.com. Right. You know, and as what she is to the graphics and the visual, I am to the audio. So she brought her passion for design design um, and her her abilities you know with with graphic design and art to my vision with the radio and I've I pushed her very very far probably way further than she ever wanted to go with this thing she didn't even know how, she was a graphic designer and she didn't understand web development but now people come to her from everywhere to because she she allowed herself to grow with it and, and understand how to develop oh, yeah. on on the internet oh no she has know? Yeah, she's got a great so eye. I have to uh, give her you know, that. I've done I've done many things with her and never I don't think I've ever not only not been disappointed, but I don't think I've ever had to even suggest any kind of real change outside <laughs> of a, maybe a small change in copy or something, you know. Yeah. She's very consistent and I think although it must be a hell of a lot of work for her to do as much as she does, I think that the site overall really gains from from the look of of a uniform vision that that she has. Uh, I'm looking at the the page, the homepage right now, and um, it it there there's just a it holds together in in a way that I don't think would happen if you had four different people's ideas 
Um, yeah, you know, it, maybe it would, but it would be a lot more complicated to do. I think it's definitely art direction, but the, the and, the, and she has mm-hmm. the vision for that. So that's, that's been very good, but also keep in mind while we might push, um, the edge of the, of design, you guys, you as the artists respond back to us with more and more right. innovative album covers. We're pushing for photo shoots and videos and, you know, cool things like that and content, which you are delivering by way of podcast like this one. But this is where I think there's a synergy, you know, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have a visual artist who's, you know, quite brilliant to, to start, but now the team has expanded to where Donna has some support mm-hmm. with design. And I have, a, oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I have an amazing team when it comes to the audio. I've got a gentleman who all of that cool stuff you hear on the air, the commercials for the artists, mm-hmm. you know, the, the special features we do, that's Dave D'Andrea. He's a, um, an award-winning producer that we have managed to team up with, who's just a big part of, of our sound. We have a jingles company out of Milan, Italy, who it's the jingles factory, and they're always keeping us fresh. We have a, a wow. wonderful administrative team with Sue Parker and our events marketing director, Esther Byrne, who's helped us with uh, getting more and more festivals involved. And we've got Rowan now to help with audio. So it's it's not a huge team, but we've got you know a wonderful programming. Uh, we've got Mark Edwards helping with programming. And of course, Scott O'Brien, who got us uh, off the ground uh, from initially with the programming. Just It's just been an, a wonderful collaborative. And we get to keep right. bringing more and more support and assistance in. And it still doesn't mean I'm not working 12-hour days, Ken, because I still, <laughs> <I> still <laughs> I <am>. understand. <laughs> I know. There's no way around it. Well, I mean, it's, it's as my dad always said, it's a good problem to have. That's uh, right. You know, to... You know, but it, it's and, and you know, you mentioned you use the word synergy, you know, which is sometimes overused or misused. But in this case, it really that was brings me right to my next question. And that that has to do with the way that you've pretty seamlessly bound social media into the station and into the Web page. I'm very impressed with that. And uh, I was explaining that to to another musician recently. Um you know, who's, uh, let's just say he's, he's, you know, a, a horse you have to drag to water mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to some of these things. And, and <laughs> I was explaining to him and it wasn't until I really had to put it into words that I, that, that I realized, you know, it wasn't as easy to do as it looked, you know, what, how one of the, the great benefits of, of smoothjazz.com was the fact that it, it had incorporated everything that you saw into not just Facebook, but a, a, a number of other ways that have to do with social media. And that seems like something you must have done relatively recently. I mean, Facebook's been around for a while, obviously, but I, I'm not sure when it happened. Again, it's one of those things that it suddenly was there, you know, as, as, as part of what um, brought me to the site. Um, were, were you guys in, involved in, in Facebook and Twitter right from the beginning, or did it take a while to realize that that was yet another way to, to link to an, a, the audience and get, get a larger audience? Um, you know what? That's a great, that's a, I think a great question. I, I have always been one who, um, I, I tend to look at the competition, you know, and, and it was mm-hmm. Scott, um, who actually I've worked with for a long time, you know, even back when I was doing radio here in Monterey as a teenager, he was the one who always taught me, yeah, you want to pay attention to your uh, uh, competition, but you do not want to get into the habit of of following them or reacting to them. So when 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 mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, well, I actually started dabbling in MySpace first. And then right. when Facebook came out, I started to get a little um, concerned, wondering how relevant would websites be? How relevant would we be? And I started to get into that old mentality I used to have of, which was a little bit competitive and not very rational. Mm -hmm. And then I started to remember, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. We, you know, we don't want to be reactive. There's something with Facebook that can be such a great asset to smoothjazz.com and and use it as a different resource. It's just a, it's just another platform that we utilize. So my thinking Mm -hmm. at first was, I I was a little nervous because I thought Facebook is really changing the game field here. Uh, entire, right, because you're just sort of like upsetting the apple cart. You don't you make it just it makes anybody a little nervous. But yeah. embracing it, which you did, was once again, you know, it 
that ha- having a vision about I think, it. And I think, that's the, I think that's the message to just pretty much anything in life is embracing as opposed to bristling. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and the same thing with when, when Steve Jobs was still around and his thing was to start going to devices. At first I was like, what are you... <laughs> We want to stay on the computer. We have a website. What are you thinking? And then I started to realize, hold on, this guy is pretty brilliant. And this is another thing we can embrace. <laughs> and when we came out with that app about two, almost three years ago, that's when smoothjazz.com literally turbocharged into the future. Because while we were right. very, very happy with our you know eight to 10 million tune-ins a month, which I thought was staggering, the minute we launched that app, uh, which you know, hit iPhone first, we went up to 49 million tune-in hours a month. It it was just, it was an unprecedented high and it proved Mm -hmm. to me where, you know, where we're going as a society and really that people want to take it with them. Like your wife was saying, this is, you know, her transistor radio. It's her personal jukebox. And so once I started to realize Mm -hmm. you've got to embrace, you have to embrace technology, then, then that's when life becomes fun. So we took our fun elements of smoothjazz.com. What's the best, what are the most popular pages on smoothjazz.com? Oh, okay. It's the listening loft where the new music goes. It's the festivals because people love to travel. It's the charts and our social right. media. So we put all that into the cool little app at smoothjazz.com. So you've got your radio station and you can stay up to date on everything on that app. And then with Facebook, we realized we could actually touch our, our audience we could and, and our artists and all of our, our friends in the business. And we've it's become this really fun hub to mingle. And that's what it is. So thank you for noticing how much work oh, we put okay. into that. Well, and as, as an artist... You know, I'm always looking for other creative ways to what amounts to market the music, but then I get involved in making a video or doing a podcast or whatever it is that I'm, I'm trying to do to, to get the music out there. And to have a, an, an outlet where, in, you know, it, it, 10 times the amount of initial attention to a new video or a new podcast or whatever it is, um, you know, that's exciting to me on obviously the level of, of marketing something, but it's also exciting to me on a creative level because it's yet another form, another outlet for, for, a cre- for an idea, Right. Uh, which I, I, I sense that with you, it's very strong that, you know, you recognize that creativity is, is not about a specific application. It's just creativity is kind of the raw, the raw thing. Uh, and, uh, I think that's, that's something that I hope people who listen to this podcast, you're, you're, you're giving without even trying, I think you're, you're giving a lesson in, in how success works, uh, and, and how creativity, um, it doesn't know boundaries. It, it just, it's about passion and obviously hard work, but you know, also being willing to take, take a chance. That's right. Uh, you know, you've expressed that really well uh you know and I, I i know you a bit so i i maybe hear it a little more easily but i think i think uh, i look forward to people hearing this because you that's coming across very very well i think well before i let you go sandy i just i just wanted to talk a few moments about scott scott o'brien who's the top 50 chart manager at smoothjazz.com mm-hmm. um you know he he recently um had had a very serious incident that put him in the hospital, and uh, if, if you can just give us a, a little update as to how he's doing, and I, I, you know, I know a lot of people know Scott. I've known Scott for almost as long as I've known you, at, at least uh, I guess close to twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I was pretty shocked, you know, when I read that again on on Facebook on your Facebook page. But maybe you could just give give listeners a a, a little bit of an update. Yeah, uh, well, he he had um, suffered from a brain clot, a blood a blood mm-hmm. uh, clot in his brain, and it was unexpected. You know, he just had a really bad headache for a couple of days and a flu he couldn't shake, or so he thought. Um, and then mm-hmm. he was, you know, then he was um, taken into emergency, um, and then he was uh, tra- transported from, you know, just outside of uh, Seattle a little town outside of Seattle into Seattle. And fortunately he got some amazing, uh, care and was seen right away. And, and they, um, they were able to, you know, help get him stabilized. And, um, I went to visit, there's no signs of any kind of, of, you know, lasting brain damage, but he, he is Uh, still in intensive care at this time. The surgery has only been, it was about a week and a half ago from today's date. And, um, 
Right. And so there's a little, few little uh, complications around just being hospitalized and, and following such a traumatic, traumatic surgery. Um, but we're staying very optimistic. The, the hard part for all of us, you know, who are so close to it is that he, uh, survived something that was just astounding. And then he made immediate progress within the first 48 hours. Um, so it seemed so, uh, you know, so surreal and, and so wonderful. And so, you know, we're having to get used to the fact that it's going to take a little time and there are a few complications that, that are, you know, pretty normal, um, and to just mm-hmm. trust that he's getting really good care um, in his the facility he's in right now, and that there's a lot of love coming his way, a lot of good energy. Yeah, there sure is. I mean, you could see it all over Facebook, and you know, uh, I, I sure hope he's aware of all the prayers and thoughts that have gone his way from a lifetime of of making friends, uh, particularly in, particularly in the music business uh, and in radio. But you can see it just in general. Well, I appreciate you. You're filling us in a little bit on that. And, yeah. You know, I mean, Scott's uh, I know a, people are. Scott's a really special guy. He's he's a behind the scenes guy by his choice. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was a radio mm-hmm. personality in his younger days, but he's a behind the scenes guy by choice. And um, and he is highly, you know, respected in this business. He's a very real human being. He doesn't mince words. And he has most importantly, he has an amazing passion for music and jazz in particular and um, and he's just been an incredible asset to smoothjazz.com from the very, very beginning. From day one, he's helped program yeah. the, the station, helped us develop. So he's, um, you know, he's very, very important to us. And, and we're, you know, we're just going to keep hanging in here to, um, and the minute we hear anything, of course, we'll put it out there, Ken, and let people know how well he's doing. Yeah, good. Well, that that's great. Well, Sandy, thanks so much today. This has been everything I hoped it would be. Uh, and, uh, you know, thank you for sharing so much information and so much about yourself. Uh, you know, it, it, I think for, I hope young people hear this too, uh, and maybe in particular young women and understand, uh, you know, what it, what it, the, the kind of things that make somebody successful. And I have a daughter who works for Expedia, who's who's 24 years old, and she's going to love hearing this podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> she'll, Ken. She'll, re- she'll relate to it, as I hope many people uh, her age do. But I, I think all of us, you know, uh, who have been doing this for a while um, have a great deal of respect for you and what you've done. And, uh, you know, talking to you like this for, for an hour, you know, it makes me understand very clearly why it's all worked for you and, and uh, you know, continue success. But um, I don't think you need, need, need it from, from me. I think you got all your own momentum at this point. Thank but, you. Uh, and the whole team there, too, you know. But uh, anyway, so thanks, Sandy, and I'll look forward to talking with you again soon. I appreciate it, Ken, and thanks for all the great music all these years, and we'll look forward to your next round as well. Uh, I'm working hard. I know you <laughs> It should are. be out in September, and we'll be talking before then. Okay. Great, Sandy. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sandy Shore. I thought it was a great one. Uh, she really shares information of how you become successful by taking something you love, and in her case, two things, both radio and music and turning it into something that you spend a lifetime just getting better and better at. So cool. Thank you again to Sandy Shore for joining me this week. Thank you all for coming and listening again. Please subscribe to the podcast. Up next is an interview with a young saxophonist uh, named Elon Trotman. And Elon has a very interesting story. He hails from Barbados and then moved to Boston to go to the Berklee College of Music. And we're going to talk all about his career in smooth jazz and how he has uh, done so many different things in a very short time. Until then, this is Ken Navarro. Thanks for joining me. Mm